and welcome to Everything End of Life with me, Jason Cottrell, and guests. And today we have the beautifully effervescent Katie Billimore, who will be talking to me about a thing called Single Point. Uh, she's from St. Helena, and Single Point is a call centre that is like no other. And you can call there if you have an incurable illness, you can self-refer, you can be referred by doctors, but they have a panel of nurses and paramedics ready to come out and help you should you get into difficulty. Uh, so let's hear more about that. Um, remember, if you like the podcast, do share, do say some things on Facebook, whatever you like. I don't mind. Um, just uh, let's hear from Katie without further ado. Hello and welcome to Everything End of Life with me, Jason Cottrell, and my guest today is Katie Billimore, who works for Single Point, uh, which is a call centre like no other, and I kind of think that it's its 10 years anniversary this year. Absolutely. Yeah. The weekend just gone. So hello, Katie. Hello. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Can you be kind enough to tell everybody a little bit about your job uh, your title and what you do, just to, just a briefly, and then we'll uh, find out a bit more about you. Okay, so I'm a, a registered nurse. I registered in uh, as a nurse in 2005, and um, I'm a specialist specialist palliative nurse working for Single Point as part of St Helena Hospice, and I've been there for the last four years. That's brilliant. So, how did you start off? Now, I've got to tell you before we get to it that I know a little bit about this, obviously. And I've got to confess that when I started as a um, palliative HCA healthcare assistant, I went to the job not knowing that that was what the job was. Actually, somebody just said, uh, do you want to retrain? Because my cooking oil distribution business went south. And um, I said, no, not really. I'm 58. And so they said, well, there's some carer jobs going if you want to be a carer because you've done, you know, been a nurse and all that. I went, yeah, OK, I'll do that. And so I went for the interview at the hospice, not knowing A, that it was a hospice and what a hospice does, and B, well, <laughs> don't laugh, and uh, B, <laughs> what the actual job was. So um, it was only when I got on the job and started training with, with a lovely lady called Chris Aylett that I suddenly realised what we were all about, just as well I had a car. Yeah, and I did the same thing. Yeah, so... <laughs> as you the, know, which yes, is I why do. you're asking so, this question. Yeah, so do tell so us. So I was working at the hospital in um, care of the elderly for a lot of years, and um, I wasn't... The end-of-life care there was... Mixed not, bag. Yeah, I mean, no, quite uniform. Right. Um, wasn't very personalised. So I applied for a job at the hospice, um, and during the interview it became clear that I was being interviewed for a job that I did not know about. And I was actually being interviewed for a job for Single Point, And I've never heard of Single Point. I didn't know what they did. No. Um, quite, <laughs> quite an awkward interview. Yeah, but it was, yeah. <laughs> Got the job. Here we are. Happy yeah, days. Happy days. Read the small print. I wonder how many... <laughs> I wonder how many people actually are really inspired to go and work for the hospice or actually how many just accidentally turn up there. You know? um, but, I mean, I think once you're in there, you just love it, don't you? you know Absolutely. I mean? I, you know, it's, it's a job like no other. Yeah, it's great. And Single Point itself is a call centre like no other. I mean, for a start, they don't normally call you. You call them. So that's quite interesting. So uh, tell me a little bit about Single Point. So... Um... We are 
uh, our job is to look after people with life-limiting illnesses in the community, so people that um, want to... We, we help people to live as comfortably as possible whilst um, having a palliative diagnosis Okay. and care for people at the end of life that want to stay at home rather yeah. than go to a hospice or a hospital or a care home. Um, so that's the short That's version. the short version. So they call in and they say, well, I've got a real problem with my relative or with myself uh, and um, or I can't buy enough medication and it's Friday and uh, and or yeah, that sort of thing. And then... You either advise them or go and make a home visit. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. So we do rapid response visits. We have clinical nurse specialists that um, can go out and do prescribing. Yeah. And the nurses go out and do symptom control and emotional support. Yeah. Um, and just help out with as best we can with what's happening, really. Yeah, so managing so, the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And try, just trying to um, provide a bit of support for people at home because it's quite isolating looking after someone at home. Yeah, yeah. I know, I've done it. <laughs> Looked after my mum, bless her, for eight years. Yeah. But I was very lucky. One, she was a really great patient. She never used to complain unless you stood in front of the telly. <laughs> and, uh, and then she'd just kind of push you out of the way with a hand, wave you out of the way. And, um, and I had carers coming in and helping, you know, so a couple of times a day, which was fabulous and very, very helpful, you know. Yeah. Because it meant I wasn't on my own. I mean, I've got a great family anyway, so mm. they were all very supportive, and uh, that was great. But my brother is a, um, he's a carpenter builder. You know, he's got a job doing that. My sister was an artist, and I was a nurse. So who was going to end up looking after mum? Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this isn't actually about me. Uh, <laughs> I know I, most things usually are. Um, so what the, let's just have a little look at the common types of calls. It's like a SWAT team. So what are the common kind of calls that you tend to get? Um, I would say mostly is about symptom control. So it would be people calling in that a relative is in pain, a relative is agitated, a relative yeah. is vomiting, those kinds of things. Um, but you, you get, you do get, I've, I've taken my last um, painkiller, and it's six o'clock on a Friday evening, you do get and that, I haven't right? got any more, ah. and I need another one at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, we get those kinds of things as yeah. well. Um, so it's like one extreme to the other, really. So then, you know, you go out uh, into many different types of situations, <laughs> and I'm guessing that that can be quite unnerving or quite exhilarating. I think it's a bit of both. Okay, okay. tell <laughs> us about that. So. Um, most of the time, it, it's a really lovely feeling that if you can make a difference to someone, if you can go into a situation that's a crisis situation and spend some time and come out knowing that you've made that situation better. However, people that um, are struggling, you know, with someone dying, there's a lot of emotion um, and emotion does make people act in strange ways sometimes. Okay, such an example, I think, I already know. Yes. You had to break up a fight. I had to like. break up a fight. Just, um, I mean, that's not, not a good time to have a fight. No. Thought, you know. And it was, a, it was a night time and I did have a healthcare assistant with me who was new and agency and hadn't worked in single point right. before. Goodness knows what she thought. <laughs> um, but, the, yeah, there was um, a young son... Mum was poorly. Mum was dying. Um, it was there was a lot of people there. Yeah, they started fighting in the room, in front of mum, and I just 
shoved them all out of the room and said, that's not appropriate, go in right. the garden and do that. Yeah. Because you're trying to keep things calm. And you can't have punch-ups happening. No, it's, it's just not, not okay. It's really not ideal, no. is it? What I, what I do uh, like is the phrase, I mean, people talk about uh, trying to give people a good death. Well, I, I, I'd like to go one further and say it should be a beautiful death. And, you know, the example I, I think I've given you before was of my mother who um, I had, uh, she, was, she was dying. She was over the weekend her, her getting organ failure. So we knew she was on her way out. We had the word from the doctor. Didn't know anything about hospices at that time. I might even want to call if I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she, you know, she, she gave us, she was just lying in bed, very quiet, very sedate. We had time to uh, get my sister and my brother and my nephew all around the bed and we sat down and I held her hand and we literally watched her last heartbeat and she was so calm and relaxed. Not everybody goes that way. Okay. No. I mean, I get that, but that's what we're aiming but, for. But yeah, absolutely. So that's she, that's the, the best outcome yeah. of a, a, a sad situation. So yeah. we, we spoke about this before that I managed i was able to look after my dad at home yeah and my dad had a beautiful death it was just it was so perfect it was the queen's jubilee weekend and um he had he he kept um asking for the children to come and see him the children all came to see him he was holding court he was funny he was he, he was wasn't scared he was comfortable he had his fags he had his cup of tea his chocolate cake and he it was just perfect yeah and that's that's how i would want everybody to experience it but they don't do they but that's that's what we try to achieve Uh, on that point things have moved on since i was since i trained as a nurse because when i was a student nurse my grandfather was on st michael's which was in severals a hospital which is closed down now yeah a big old institution but as a student nurse, I would go and sit on his bed and roll his fags for him. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he'd go into the day room and he'd, and he'd smoke them. And the nurses would look at me somewhat disapprovingly, but not say, well, it's not say a dicky. Yeah, that was a day room you were allowed to smoke yeah, in. So. that's right. You know, so that's a good thing. How things have moved on. Yeah, that was kind of crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I think one of the things that comes up for me is... People find it difficult to have these conversations about death. Yes. Uh, they don't like to use the actual term dying, death, dead. they're dead. They find it quite brutal. Yeah. And I think you've had experience of that. Is I- Yeah, so it was, so we, we have to, um, in our job, we, we have to have difficult conversations and we have to use um, that kind of language. Yeah. You can't say... Um, he, you know, they're very poorly or, yeah. or anything like that because people might think, okay, they're very poorly, but they're going to get better. Yeah. You have to say, I, I think they're dying. Yeah. And they're dead, not they've passed away. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so, it feels horrible at first because it's alien because yeah. you always want to soften it, don't you, when you talk about things That's like right, that. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it's really important to be clear and concise so that people know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And they can't. It can't be misconstrued, I yeah. suppose, and that that was hard at first, but it, it, it's okay. I mean, it's 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 it, it happens to us all, doesn't it? It does. I found when I started at the hospice, and I started coming home and saying, "Oh, how was your shift?" Uh, my wife would ask, and I'd say, "Well, we lost one today, and somebody died, and they, that other person was dead." And uh, she said, 
I, I don't understand how you can do the job. My neighbour stopped me and he said, you know, how's it going? Uh, he's he's Irish, by the way, and uh, his wife is French. So when I'm talking to them, I always think I'm on holiday. You know, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> but he said to me, um, I don't know how you could do the job, Jason. How can you get to know somebody knowing that they're going to pass away? I said, well, die. I mean, he said, yeah, die, you know, in within four weeks or so. And I went, well, we're friends, aren't we? And he, he looked at me and went, Yes. I said, I don't know when you're going to die, do I? No. <laughs> no. So he went, oh, yeah, fair point. Yeah, okay. So, But it is it is the difficult thing to talk about. I understand that. Yeah, but it's really important to have those conversations with people so that they get what they want at the end. Yeah. Because if you haven't had those conversations, no. you don't know what somebody wants and they're not able to tell you. That's right. I mean, that, a... They don't get the death that they want, do they? No, we've got a... Um, a cat outside, mewling. Don't look at her. She'll just mule more. She I might can't go help away. it. She might, she might go away. Um, she looks so sad, doesn't she? Uh, <laughs> no. I really hope that picks up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So tell me, what do you love about Single Point itself? Because, I mean, it's 10 years old. I just read that um, the person who did the first phone call was Nicole Nicole, Nicole Hockett, mm. who's actually one of our bosses now, yes. so, which is lovely. You know. Yeah. Um, so what do you love about Single Point? We are a really good team. We're really... The, everybody that works in Single Point, I think, I think you have to be a certain personality to do the job we do. Yeah. So there's lots of strong personalities. Um, I've never worked in a team quite like it. Um, we're very close. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing, and I, and I'm in awe of most of the people, all of the people that I work with, because they do some really good work. Yeah, and yeah, it's just I can't I can't even explain, having done nursing for such a long time, that yeah. this team is just special, amazing, amazing people. Yeah, I think what's lovely is you've got that you know that flexibility of your job as well, where you're sitting there waiting for phone calls and doing paperwork and stuff, and and then you're out on the road. And so the job is really varied. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know what, what's going to happen from day to day. Yeah. And you 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 sort of run your day. If you want to go and see somebody, you feel they need to be seen. You go. You go. You don't have to ask for permission. Yeah. You go and see them. And if you need to be with them for four, five, six hours. Yeah. Then that's okay. Yeah. So it's a really. It's, it's not like half an hour visit. That's it. Job done. No, I like that because it. I yeah. mean, you're, you're aiming for. I mean, what we're told that we're aiming for is to have them pain-free, agitation-free, anxiety-free, and emotionally well-supported. And when you get to that point, that button, I think you've kind of got the right level, haven't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Right yeah. But that's a lot, isn't it, when you think about it? It is. It's a, yeah. lot, to, it's it's a, a lot to achieve. It is, and it's, you know, in such a short space of time as well. I love it when we go in in the morning for the first visit of somebody who's never had a hospice carer, and... They're really tense and tearful and, you know, because they've been probably looking after their relative on their own for ages. Mm. And then we go back in the afternoon when they know then that there's going to be two visits a day. They're going to be, they've got single point to call at any given moment if they've got a problem and they'll be as responsive as they possibly can be. And they're relaxed and, and sometimes even jokingly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, completely it's, it's different, a, isn't it? Completely different. Yeah, it's amazing. And that is what's really special mm. about it. Yeah. So lastly, Katie Billamore, what is next for you? Are you sticking with Single Point forever? 
For, for now, I'm very happy. Yeah. I'm very happy. I can't. I can't say forever, Jason. No. Nobody right. knows what's going to happen. No. I might win the lottery <laughs> and be a lady. Of know, I've got to say, I keep a lottery ticket in my back pocket. I never look at it, and I, I never put it in because until then, it's like Schrodinger's cat. I'm a multimillionaire until I know that I'm not. You know, so just keep the lottery ticket in your back pocket. Well, I need to do it, really. I'm never going to win. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying put. I'm quite happy. Fabulous. Well, listen, Katie, thank you very much uh, for coming and talking to me about um, Single Point and St. Helena. This is not a podcast I've got to point out for St. Helena, but having St. Helena on the doorstep is really handy to come and steal all of the experts from it. So yeah. that's that's really cool. You have stolen some of us. I have, yes. yes. Yeah, I've I done have. well. I've got some more to steal. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, let's hope you all listen to the next episode. There. So Katie Billimore, uh, an absolutely wonderful person. And as you can tell, a lot of fun to be with. And uh, Talking about Single Point, which is an incredible... Um, organization, I said, part of an organization of St. Helena, the hospice. Now, next week, um, it's something a little bit different is, uh, I was contacted by a lovely lady called Valerie Probsfeldt, who, uh, wanted me to explain what the podcast was all about on her podcast, which is To Mum is to Love. Now, as I say, she's from Chicago and wanted to talk about all sorts of different things from, uh, what the podcast is actually about. How do we leave, um, a legacy for our children? How do we live in the moment? All kind of different things. The brain, uh, <laughs> family fun, whole range of subjects. So tune in next week. Um, and, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy our little chat. I mean, she's got some <laughs> incredible stories. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, share on Facebook or just on any social medium, and I'd be very grateful. Thanks very much for listening.